Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. It's been a while since I've been up here. That's good. Well, it's a slim crowd tonight. We expected it would be with uh, the holidays. A lot of people are gone, people sick, and all of that. So, but thank you uh, that you're here. <clears throat> we are. Uh, I asked Sean to leave me some of his slides for the Garden of Gethsemane, but. I got a few things before we get to that, but I'll just leave that up there for now if it doesn't bother you. Uh, we'll open uh, the class with a short prayer and then we'll get started. <clears throat> Dear God in heaven, thank you. Thank you so much uh, for who you are and for being on your throne. Thank you for Jesus, our great mediator who sits at your right side. We pray, Father, for all the ones that are real sick right now and the state of our country and pray that you'll be with us and especially be with your church. Be with us this evening, Father, as we uh, study uh, your son's last few days on the earth and pray that we'll, uh, we will have studied already and we'll be able to um, dig a little deeper this evening. Thank you so much for him and please forgive us of any sins in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> what I thought we would do Sean said, all you got to do is get through Gethsemane, which you could probably do that in one class. We'll probably take two because I want to kind of detour just a little bit. Um, I'd like for us to go to John 14. John 14. We'll see this tomorrow probably in a lot of our places on Thanksgiving. Uh, the after dinner conversation. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of good, oh, I'm sorry, yeah, Chad. Uh, if you need a, uh, a booklet or a, or a uh, pass-out document, raise your hand for the class and he'll bring it to you. Anybody? Okay, it looks like everybody's got it, Chad. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> a lot of good conversation is done after a meal. And, um, you know, everyone's satisfied and uh, feeling good and, and conversation can can go in a lot of different directions, not always good, but usually. And this is uh, after, the, after the Passover meal, the institution, so to speak, of the Lord's Supper, if you will. Um, Jesus has some time to talk. Uh, he knows that his time is drawing real, real short, real, 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 real soon, just a matter of a few hours, really. And... Um, in John uh, 14, um, they, they, have, they have had, Judas is now, has now gone. He left. You know, Jesus said, whatever you do, do quickly. Let's get this over with, Judas. Um, and then he was talked to his 11. He talked to him about a lot of things. And if you noticed when you read John 13, 14, 15, 16, even 17... Um, there were a lot of questions. Uh, his apostles had questions about some things. Just, you can just kind of yell it out. Name three or four of them that, that questioned some things as Jesus was talking. You remember the first one was Peter. I'll give you that one. And wh what was Peter's boast, which he was apt to do at that point in his life anyway? Yeah. He said, uh, where are you going again? You mentioned you're going. 
where you're going, and I'll go with you. I'll even die with you. And what was, what was Jesus', Jesus reply? And, of course, the answer Peter thought was what, Lance? Well, sure. Yeah, I can do it. I even got a, I got a sword with me. I'll show you that in a little bit. Uh, he thought he could. And, and what was Jesus' reply, Mike? He said, not, not going to happen. He said, you'll deny me before the rooster crows. Uh, Yeah, uh, yeah, Thomas was next. Jesus was talking about going away. And, and, uh, and Thomas said, well, where are you going to go? Where, where are you going? I mean, you know, uh, are you going to leave us orphans? Basically, where are you going? And then what was Jesus' reply when he got down to, for all of them really, but in John 14, we've all memorized those first four verses, I'm sure. In my Father's house are many mansions, if it were... Not so, I'd have told you. Help me out. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. And uh, it goes on. Um, so Thomas said, well, we don't know where you're going. How are we going to know how to get there? And then who else had a question later on? Philip. And what was Philip's, uh, Ryan? Yeah, show us Father, and, and we'll be satisfied. You're right. Um, and what, what was Jesus' reply? Philip, I've been with you for so long, and you don't know the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Um, people used to say, I... I uh, when I, I never will forget uh, great-grandmother. She would say, you know, as long as, long as you're alive, Mitchell Wayne, your daddy will never be dead. And that's an old Southern term, but you know, you know what that means. You look so much alike and act so much alike uh, that as long as you're alive, your dad will never be dead. Well, if you've seen the Father, you've seen the Son. That, and we see that in earthly relationships, don't we, with the Father and the Son? You know, uh, like Father, like... Son, a lot of cases. So he said, Philip, you've seen me. You've seen God. You've seen the Father. Then there was one more. Who was that one? Jude. Well, some versions say Judas. But then Margie, it says in parentheses, not Iscariot. Jude. Uh, Jude was one of the apostles, and he had some questions. So the Lord's trying to get this squared away. Um, try to answer some of these questions because, you know, when someone's going away, um, you know, it's, it can be a sad time, can it? But Jesus tries to cheer them up in John 14 when he says, and notice he says, um, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Now, is that comforting? Should be, should be, shouldn't it, John? And where is this place he's going that we can go to as well? He's talking about heaven. 
And I always found it interesting. He said, I go to prepare a place. Uh, when you call ahead to make reservations at a hotel, does the manager go out and build a room for you? Room's already there. Heaven's already there. Jesus has been there for eternity. He said, I'm just going to go make some reservations for you. I'm not building anything. It's already built. That's, that's what that word means. It doesn't mean you're going to go out and start building. So he said, I'll make reservations for you. And where I am, you may be also. And that was a comforting. It should have been a very comforting thing. And, and lessons for you and me. Should it be comforting to us? Of course. I mean, it's a rhetorical question, but it should be comforting to us. It should be. Um, Jesus said in John 14 and verse 15, you know, he talked about uh, love. And even after when, when, uh, when Jesus was resurrected, he asked, remember he asked Peter there on the, on the seashore when he said, come eat breakfast with me with the fish and the, and the, the bread. He said, Peter, you love me? You agape me? What was Peter's reply? I follow you, Lord. We're good friends. So Jesus said in John 14, verse 15, we, we all know this one, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. So he said, you know, we can talk all the love we want, but if we don't have keep his commandments, it's not really uh, Bible love anyway. And, and we had a whole class for 13, 14 weeks on just on 1 Corinthians 13 about love. So, um, and there's another thing. He said, the world will know you if you what? Uh, that's not a good question. Uh, Sorry, are you talking about? No, I, let me explain myself. That's, I, I don't like questions like that. Uh, that's, <laughs> I know. <laughs> The, the teacher, instructor, when I was going through that, would, would have just passed out right there by asking a, a question like that. Um, he says, by the world will know you that you are mine if you love one another. If you love one another. Over, I think it's Philippians, says, be, be careful that you don't uh, bite and devour one another. That can happen as well. Jesus said, you're not mine if you do that. Uh, so that's, that's kind of, that's, that's John 14. Uh, and then in, and in John 15, he's still, this is after supper. Judas is gone. It's Thursday night. They're not in the garden yet. Jesus has got some last conversation with his disciples. That, that's where we are in basically 13 too. 13, 14, 15, 16, and I, I would even say up, up through 17, and then we'll get over to 18 in just a minute. In 15 and verse 13 says, Greater love has no man than a, a one that lays down his life for his friend. Did Jesus do that? Of course he did. He laid down his life for his friends. Uh, and there may be a time when we'd have to do the same. Would we do it? I don't know. We, we may find out one day. We may have to find out. I hope not. Um, <clears throat> so he's just preparing them, prepping them that he's going to go away. Now he goes on to say in John 17, 
if I go away, I won't leave you as orphans, but I'll send who? Whom? Send who? Who? The Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Paraclete, the Comforter. Um, is that an appropriate word for the Holy Spirit when you think about it? Good point. It's a very good word. But what are some, some of the implications of the Holy Spirit and his role? In, okay. I want to I jump on that just a little bit, Gary, because that's a really good point. Now, were they going to lead peaceful lives? No. Uh, every one of them, except John, and he lived to be probably mid-90s, uh, died a violent death, history says. And Jesus even told Peter, uh, there'll be a time in your life where you, you, in the past you, you, you dress yourself and you go where you want to go. Well, the day's coming, Peter, when that won't happen. Uh, and he signified by what death he was going to, to, to die, the Bible says. So comforting, peaceful. Um, what about the lives that we lead, particularly during all of this nonsense that's going on? Peace. Is it peaceful, would you say? Not really. Well, how can we be peaceful? Uh, Don? Okay, that was for the apostles. What about us? Okay, I, I guess in a sense he holds our hand. But how can we have peace in this world that's not peaceful at all? How can we have that? All these things are right. Make it personal. All right, I just paraphrase it. Say again, Don. The whole armor of God. All right. Now, when you've got all of that equipment on, then you have everything that the Holy Spirit has given us to succeed in this world. Remember when uh, 2 Kings 22 or 1 Kings 22, I always get that confused. I believe 2 Kings, 1 Kings 22, when, uh, was that the one that had, uh, the, it was Elijah and he had the young prophets with him? The young prophet went out in the morning and he looked up and he was surrounded by all of this enemy. And he said, oh, what are we going to do? And what did Elijah tell them or ask God to do? Open his eyes. And he, and he said, those that are with us are more than those that are with them. That, should that be comforting to us? Isn't that true today? If God were to open our eyes so we could see out in the netherworld there with things that we can't see, we would go, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right in spite of all the things that are going on in, in the world. That should be comforting, shouldn't it? Paul said, I, I'll stay and, and be with you because it's needful, but I'd rather what? I'd rather, I'd rather die and go on. Rather die and go on. Yeah. 
Okay, any questions, comments about it? Oh, that's a little bit of a little slight detour, but it ties into what we're talking about, I think, pretty well. Don? I'll get there if you want to go there. Okay. Just make it quick. Okay. But, you know, at this point, 28, you know, did you say? Uh, chapter 16, verse 28. Okay, go ahead. Through everything that's been said in the upper room up until this point, mm -hmm. he says, finally, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. I am leaving the world again and going to the Father. Right. And then all of the disciples are quoted as saying in verse 29, <coughs> Right. And are not using a figure of speech. Now we know you know all things and have no need for anyone to question you. By this, we believe that you came from God. And then his comment back to them. Do you now believe? You're going to be scattered. You think you believe, but you still don't but they will later, and that it, isn't that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit? And Jesus even forecast that earlier. He said, don't worry about what you're going to say when they drag you into the courts. I'll, the Holy Spirit will bring it to your memory. Don't, don't try to memorize anything like we have to do. Uh, that's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit. It took for the apostles was to bring all of this back. And later they'll look back, uh, no question about it, and go, I get it. I get it. I finally get it. You ever have one of those moments where you go, I think I finally get this. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's a good point, Don. Really good point. Um, let's go now to John 18. I, I'm assuming we may be able to go back to, to Matthew 26, and if we have time, we, we will. But after all's been said now, it's a long conversation. Uh, mostly by Jesus and a few questions peppered in after, after the uh, meal, but before they go across uh, the brook Kidron. So look at chapter 18 and verse 1. When Jesus has spoken these words, which words? The word we just saw, 13 through, through 17. When he had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Jerusalem, I don't have the exact number. I've seen different numbers. Jerusalem was, is elevated, we all know that, maybe 25, 2,600 feet, something like that. You go down, and the road kind of winds down, and there's this brook. You know, usually creeks or brooks, we call them creeks in the south, but um, it's got water usually, but it's always down at the, at the bottom, isn't it? So you'd have to go down to get to across the brook Kidron. It's a, it's a famous uh, Bible location. Uh, you know, the Valley of Hinnom is all down in there when you know all of the, the stuff that went on there. Then you start winding your way back up and a little bit a ways up, there's the Garden of Gethsemane and you, <coughs> excuse me, I'm not sick. You, you go all the way, I don't think I am, up to the top of the mountain to the Mount of Olives, 2,700 feet. So 2,600 feet down Brook Kidron, Kidron Valley, and you go up about 2,700 feet, and there's the Mount of Olives. 
And then at the foot of that is the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, just think of gardens. Uh, we like to go out to uh, Boyce Thompson Arboretum, and there are lots of other places, but it's, it's a beautiful place. And they have the gardens there. Well, what do gardens do generally? What do they have? Flora, fauna, and all, all those other bio, biological terms. Uh, but they have trees, and there's usually water. Isn't there usually water there? That's why there's a garden. Um, is it a peaceful place generally? Yes, it's a very peaceful place. And did Jesus and his apostles, even disciples, I guess you could say more generically, did they go there pretty often? They did. In fact, Judas didn't have any trouble finding Jesus and, his, and the apostles. Why? He, he knew he knew where they probably where he would be. And from the top of Jerusalem winding down up to the Garden of Gethsemane is anywhere from a half to three quarters of a mile. And it says they, they came at night, and what kind of how did they come? How do you see in the they had torches and lanterns? There was a mob. There were soldiers, it sounds like, armed, clubs, swords. Do you think you could see them coming a ways away? Yeah. And at night, down crooked roads with a mob, they don't normally make good time. It could be, a, it might be 30 minutes before they left, before they could get up to the garden. It just at a normal pace, three quarters of a mile or whatever. So... If you're up on that mountain, or even if you're in the garden, and you look up, you, you could see what was getting ready. Something strange was going on. There are people coming for us. So that's kind of the, the, the context as well. Uh, it's said that the garden, uh, in some versions, they use the word orchard. Orchard. And the word, interestingly, in Greek, the word orchard uh, is a Greek word paradise. Interesting. I just find that so interesting. How did this all start? In paradise. And how's it all going to finish? Paradise. So if paradise spoiled, or paradise lost, if you will, coin a phrase. And so it was said that they had olive trees, fig trees, pomegranates, all kinds of... of um, um, plants there. And in the summertime, would that be a good place to be in the Middle East? It's about like our heat here. We're almost on the same latitude. Uh, longitude, I don't know which. Anyway, one of those tudes. Um, it would be shady. It'd be comforting when there's water, hopefully there, uh, at least most of the time. They call it a paradise. So it was a place to go. Usually there's, there was a spring or a cistern, a well there, I suspect. It's also interesting that I did some research and they said that the, the Roman 10th Legion uh, camped in AD 70 on the Mount of Olives and there were so many of them they spilled down into the Garden of Gethsemane. I saw some pictures of some olive tree stumps, if you will, a little bit more than a stump. And they're estimating, you know olive trees don't have rings, age rings? Didn't know that. I didn't. 
but olive trees don't have rings, so they, they estimate that these trees are anywhere from 1,000 up to 2,000 years old. But they said they were not there during, during this time because when the Romans came in, they cut them all down. Got a cookie food on something as they were besieging Jerusalem in A.D. 70. Um, someone turned just real quickly, and you can just read loud, and I'm okay with that. Uh, Isaiah 58 and 11, I just want to, there's a couple of verses there that kind of tie into this, if you will. Isaiah 58, 11, and then someone turned to Jeremiah 31 and verse 12. Jeremiah 31 and verse 12, Isaiah 58 and verse 11. And when you get there, just start reading. Gary? Okay, it's, there's that concept of the garden. It's like, what'd you say, Jer Gears, what version are you reading? Just curious. Uh, okay, yeah, but strength to your bones, is that what it's saying? Well, like a, like a well-watered garden. That's why you go to a garden. Uh, what about Jeremiah 31, 12, uh, Doug? Therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion, streaming to the goodness of the Lord, for wheat and new wine and oil, for the young of the flock, and the herd. Their soul shall be like well-watered garden, and they shall sorrow no more at all. Like a well-watered garden. That's a garden of Gethsemane. Shaded, uh, water source coming by, things to eat, the figs and pomegranates and things like that, if you were, you know, of a mind to do that. Uh, that's Gethsemane. So, <clears throat> Jesus takes um, his apostles, and he, he gets to Gethsemane. Now, time's growing short, real short. Maybe a matter of just an hour or two. Uh, we don't know that, but we know it's coming. And he says, to, to, what does he say to the bulk of the apostles or disciples, if you will? You stay here. You stay here. Watch for me. Now, did Jesus need anybody to watch for him? I read that and I kind of chuckle a little bit. And so he took, took Peter, James, and John. Um, would it be stretching it to say they were his favorites? I, I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, he says the apostle that he loved, he loved all of them. But he had a special relationship some way with John. I don't, we, don't, we don't understand all of that exactly. But he takes Peter, James, and John... And he goes a little further. About how far? About as far as you could throw a rock. Uh, so not very far. And what was Jesus going to do at this time? He's God. He's going to pray to his Father. If Jesus being God, of course he was also fully man at that time, felt the need to pray to God, who he's equal with, or he was, he emptied himself of that when he came to this earth for a while. What does that say about you and me? Lance? Earlier you asked the question um, about the comforter. Mm -hmm. Jesus here needs comfort. And I was going to answer earlier prayer. Because in the gospel, in, in his earlier teaching in life, he talked about laying his burdens on him. He will carry our burdens. 
Yeah, uh, that's, a real good, that's a real good point. Uh, he searches the deep things of God, and he can talk to God in ways that he, we cannot even utter sometimes. You know, sometimes your soul is just hurting, or, or you, you're, not, you're not sure what to say next. The, 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 the comforter says, I got this. I know what to say. I can see your heart. And Jesus is right there. Our friend. So if he saw the need to pray. Now, he prayed one time and he came back and he found the apostles doing what? Sleeping. Sleeping? Sleeping. And what is Jesus? Does he just jump their case? He does not. Are you sleeping? Are you tired? He said, stay awake. Watch for me. The body is weak but the spirit is, is strong and of course you live in your body so that's saying that you know that, that's our weak point and Satan knows that so he goes off and he prays again well you know you got to say something different every time because you got to impress God right is that what you do in prayer okay play along with me I'm, I'm just no we don't have to do that do we we, we don't. Um, mm-hmm. What was God's answer? No. Right. You can. And what was the, the parable Jesus gave about the widow? The judge finally said, woman, you got to go away. So I'm going to give you what you want, persistence. Paul was persistent. Was Jesus persistent? Is that stretching that word too much? No, I, I don't think so. He was persistent, and he's God. So sometimes we'll pray, and if we don't get our answer by 1030, well, I guess he heard me. He heard you. He heard you. Maybe you've got to answer, uh, pray again tomorrow 1030. I don't know. And eventually he may say, no. he can say yes, he can say no, what else can he say? Not yet. yet. You've got some lessons to learn yet, Mitch, Lance, Mike, you've got some lessons to learn. But I, I'm on the case. But, but you got, you got to, I'm not ready for that yet. Doug? I would say things happen in God's time, not our time. That's right. Because what are trials generally for for us? Strengthen us. Teach us patience, endurance, perseverance, all those things. Does, does anybody need that except me? I need all of those. We all do. Don, go ahead. We're taught to ask, seek, and knock. And that is in that, that tense of continuous. Continuously ask, continuously seek, continuously knock. That's a good point. That's a good point. God's not going to forget your, 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 your prayer request yesterday. It's for you. It's for me. Good, really good point. Really, really good point. Jesus goes back the second time and he prays. 
They're asleep, goes back a little further the third time, comes back and said, all right, boys, it's time. It's time. He, he never really, what, what you'd say, chastised them. Um, is it a true statement? Uh, and you, you can, We can talk about it if you like. They were sleeping for sorrow, not indifference. Sometimes you can sleep because you're indifferent. Because it's not interesting. Was that their situation? Luke 22:45. Somebody read that. Uh, just start when you get there. Luke 22 and verse 45. Sleeping for sorrow. They were beginning to really get it. And they knew what Jesus said, and they were sorrowful. Have you ever uh, had trouble staying awake because you were just sorrowful? If I could just go to sleep, maybe this would go away, kind of a thing. They were sleeping because, and I think that's why they were not rebuked. I, I really do. Jesus didn't rebuke them because he knew why they were sleeping. He did. He did. Uh, Tony, let me finish here, then I'll, I'll get to you. <clears throat> this is interesting. You may not agree with this, but I, and then we'll finish up with this. He, 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 when he went to the Father the three times, he said, Father, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. This cup. Now, he knew all of the prophecies. Well, he wrote them, or he was there when they were written. So he knew all the prophets. He knew what he had to do. There was no getting out of this. He knew that. So he said, Father, let this cup pass from me. Is he talking about the, the cross? Or is he talking about probably the next 12 to 16 hours, 18 hours, this cup? This cup of being spat on and rebuked and slapped and beaten and all of that. Now, I, I can't prove that. Well, I got a few verses that maybe would imply that, but to me, this cup, it, it can't be the cross, in my mind. It can't be the cross, otherwise we, we may as well go home. There's no hope for us if he says, Father, let this cross pass from me. Does that make a little bit of sense to you? That Let this cup pass from me. Let all what I've got to go through in the next, can you shorten it? Can you, we don't know of those things, but I just find it interesting. Uh, to me, I know what it doesn't mean. It does not mean take this cross away from me because what I got to do tomorrow. It, it can't mean that. So, I, Gary, I, I'd just be curious to see what you think. I don't remember where he said this, but one time during the phrase, he says, Father, all things are possible with you. I, I have always felt when I read these scriptures, this is his humanity. Well, it certainly is. Free me to get out of this. He knew what was coming. He created the forces that were going to cause him so much pain. He knew what was coming in a way that you and I will never know. There's no question that, 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 that that's the case, but that would violate all the Old Testament scriptures. No, I understand that. Yeah, and yeah. I, that's why he says, I will be done. Yeah. But he says, all things are possible with you. It's, it's like his Right. No, I think that's, that's certainly uh, applicable. 
Uh, Mike? One thought that as I get older that comes to me is, is I agree with you in the time period. It's not just all up to the cross. Because he's going to be led like a lamb to the slaughter. Mm-hmm. No complaining. No, he, he has a little confrontation with Pilate. But John and Peter see the first trials of this. They know what's going on. The, the guards see who he is. Right. All of these things is Jesus being taken down to the level of that common And that's not who he is. I and, and I also think they don't want my apostles to see that. I want them to be strong. You know, I th- that's a good point. I thought about that as well. Because he knows that these apostles are all going to run away. And scatter and curse and deny him and all of that. And maybe for his sake, he won't see that. We, we, we don't know these things. Not, believe me, I'm not trying to insert things that aren't there. I'm just saying, trying, trying to take myself back to that time. Um, let's see, Tony, you had, a, you had a, a, a comment or a question, then we'll have to quit. That was the last bell. Um, all right. No, you, go ahead. Well, if you... I don't think so. Uh, I mean, there, there could have been a little bit of that to it. You know, depression, uh, I guess, implies that it maybe has been going on a while. There's a lot of events that led up to it, and you, it's hard to shake. We've all been sorrowful, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have to go on down to the next level of depression. But, but it could be a cousin. I'm, I'm not, it, it was a good thought, actually. Um, No, the Bible says that it was because they were sorrowful. They were just sad. They're going to lose their friend. And I think it's setting in that because he says, and this word will start Sunday morning, my betrayer's at hand. Let's go. It's time to go. And during some of this time, no doubt he saw, saw him come. Saw him come. Okay, really good. Uh, thank you for your, for your good comments and, and all of that. And we'll pick it up uh, Sunday morning.